Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener. You'll have ad-free episodes and join us on our monthly Zoom calls with other podcast listeners and get to know the community at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes. I'm Alex Bloomberg, host of the podcast Startup, and you're listening to We Are LA Tech. My name is Esprit Devora, born and raised LA, and I created We Are LA Tech in 2012 to unify the community. Podcast launched in 2014, continuing to help people find the best talent, to connect with each other, to form awesome relationships. So proud of this show. Enjoy. So my name is Esprit Devora. I created We Are LA Tech 10 years ago. I built the first action sports social network alongside Tom from MySpace and Mark from Facebook. And I took a lot of risks in my life, a lot of risks. I broke into Google once. Most people don't know that story. I was afraid Google would shut down all my accounts. It was like booking it in my Nikes, trying to like get away. I just really wanted to sell my company to a specific department and I was just relentless, but it didn't really work out that way. (laughs) Instead, I got the cops called on me. I've had a long journey being a founder and being a community builder. And it's not easy. It's very isolating. A lot of us have to appear to be perfect, especially around investors. And none of us are perfect. Not Richard Branson. There's no leader in the world that is perfect. None of us. We're human. And so I created We Are LA Tech to embrace the human experience and to all accelerate together, support one another. And Dave shares the same values as I do. And so our partners, who I'm going to introduce you to, our volunteers, our team, they're all here with the same spirit of connectivity. I don't take culture lightly. Culture is everything. I'm a little bit too integrity driven. So the partners I'm going to introduce you to, they're not just whoever. They lead with the same heart, love, and care that I lead with. And that matters to me because you matter to me. I know I sound like a commercial, but I mean that so much. You have no idea. Ask anyone that like knows me personally. They're like, yeah, she cares a little bit too much. So with that, uh, again, my name is Esprit Devora with We Are LA Tech. I'd like to introduce my co-host, Dave, with Bioscience LA. Perfect. It's free. Thank you so much. This is uh, this working. I don't think it's working, but really good. No, we're good. We're good. That's too much. We're really good to see everyone here. Um, I will give a, a quick, quick intro, and it's really an intro about how Esprit and I have, have worked together over the years, uh, because we were, we were recounting recently. I think I've been on the podcast more than anyone else, at least like tied for the record. And uh, I met Esprit, I don't know, how many years ago through a guy, Mark Vermoot, that some people, I see a market share shirt out here, so uh, maybe someone knows Mark, but Kevin Winston knows Mark Vermoot. I ended up on the, the podcast while working on a digital health startup, and then that startup was going away and uh, started to get a few more people on Esprit's podcast. So uh, I think you know five or six people on We Are LA Tech over, over the past few years, and uh, you know, fast forward more recently, I've been a guest host for We Are LA Tech. At the same time, I've been building what I think is, uh, in the words of uh, an awesome uh, podcast host uh, standing next to me, 
you know, one of the greatest homes for uh, you know, tech and innovation as an event space uh, in Los Angeles, uh, Bioscience LA. And we're an independent nonprofit organization launched about uh, a little over four years ago with support from LA County, Amgen, City of Hope Hospital, Cedars-Sinai to be the innovation catalyst for life sciences and health tech in the region. So we're here to accelerate and amplify efforts that are going on, connect founders and funders and big companies and small companies uh, to help make amazing innovations come to market, reach patients, and ultimately save lives. And we do that through building community. And we opened up this space in October 2021. So, uh, you know, approaching, you know, approaching two years now. And over that time, we've had now probably a couple hundred events here from uh, huge holiday parties to this event last year. Uh, Esprit and I have done a couple of other events here, but we've had I've had fire dancers here. We've had, exactly. Yeah. We've had fire dancers here. We like, had... Dave, what about fire? <laughs> what about axe throwing? <laughs> we could work on We've talked about doing axe throwing up there once upon a time, but uh, um, we've had horses in the parking lot and snow machines on the roof. Uh, but really more importantly, we've had a ton of founders and entrepreneurs and connectors here. Women Founders Network has done multiple events. Uh, you know, we've had a ton of female-focused events, a ton of diversity-focused events, a ton of tech innovation-focused events, and then a lot of community things because we want people to be here. We want to be building a community that's not just about life sciences innovation, but it's about innovation. It's about connecting and giving back. So I'm just thrilled to be able to do this. And uh, we're probably already planning for next year to make it even, even bigger, maybe like tents in the parking lot or something. <laughs> so, you know, we could have multiple podcasts going. Thank but you, Dave. Three, thank you. And this is awesome. Awesome. <laughs> thank you and all thank for being you here, everyone. By the way. Yes. And so, with that, next up, as I mentioned earlier, my favorite overnight oats are inside Earth Meal. If you haven't tried them after the panel, make sure try the overnight oats. Then you saw you were gifted popple as well as every dose mushroom tea on your uh, chairs. So that was really fun. And I am so excited to bring up two amazing, amazing partners, Interlaced and Jop Forum. Um, I'm going to start because you're standing closest to me. I'm going to start with Mallory. We talked earlier. This is a person that truly cares about you, your well-being, and your company's success. Both these people here and their entire team, because I've talked to their teams, care about you doing well. So I welcome you to connect with them, collaborate with them, get to know them. This isn't just any old partner at an event. This is someone who I really value working with, both of them. So interlaced. Hi. So I know I was up here just a few minutes ago. Uh, my name is Mallory Randall. I'm with interlaced.io. We are a uh, tech services company. And basically what that means, we will build you an IT program from soup to nuts. But really at the, the heart of what we do and, and why we're here and why we want to build community with you all is that if we can help you and take some of these day-to-day -day things off of your plate so that you can fo focus on your missions, then we've done our jobs. So we're really hoping that we can help you guys out. You've got a lot of things going on as startups. IT shouldn't be one of them. So please come find us in the relaxation station. I've got these handy uh, massagers for you to take with you. So come on back and uh, actually get an, an actual massage from our masseuse today. So thank you guys for having us out there. And thank you, Esprit and Dave, for having thank us. Thank you. And Mallory, should we do the deep breath together? Yes. Let's Ready? Ready? Everybody together, a deep, intentional breath. That's amazing.
So enjoy the relaxation station. Thank you so much, Mallory and Interlaced. Next up, I'd like to welcome Annabelle. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you all so much for this event, Esprit and Dave. This has been amazing so far. Um, I know a lot of you have already stopped by to say hi and grabbed a, a copy of Automate Your Busy Work. So yeah, I guess I should talk about my company. So I work as our director of brand marketing. My name is Annabelle uh, at JotForm, and we are an online form builder tool, kind of like Google Forms, but way more powerful and all that. We have 21 million users globally, and yeah, we're here to kind of help you with all your data collection and management needs. Um, and yeah, our founder launched uh, this new book, Automate Your Busy Work, last month. It made the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. So I think we have a few copies left. So if you haven't gotten yours, uh, stop by to get one. Thank you all so much. Thank you, Annabelle. Jotform and Interlace. Thank you, both of you, so much for being a part of this experience and really, you know, honoring the culture that I want to create. Appreciate you. Okay. And as you know, this is an official event as part of Tech Week. Tech Week is a series of events that A16Z has been coordinating all week long. Today is the final day, and I'm so excited to be doing our community event. So I'm going to have each guest come out um, one by one for the panel to introduce themselves. And then we're going to ask very tactical questions about community building and getting plugged into the Los Angeles tech community. And then that way, after the panel, you could get back to mixing and mingling and eating and have abundant time to do so. So I'm in no particular order just because I saw Tyler right there and we're going to be sharing mics. Tyler is the founder of Beehive. Full disclosure, I am lucky enough to be an advisor in Beehive. I, I pretty much begged him. It's a phenomenal Los Angeles tech company. And the reason I thought it was important that he was a part of our event is because his customer evangelism is like nothing I've ever seen before. If you go on Twitter, you will see everyone just hyping up Beehive like it's their favorite morning cup of coffee. It's just crazy. My name is Tyler Dank. I'm co-founder and CEO of Beehive. Beehive's an email newsletter platform that helps creators and publishers create, monetize, and scale their audience. You can think of it like a competitor to Substack, ConvertKit, MailChimp. Uh, my background, I was a second employee at Morning Brew. So I built their newsletter infrastructure, the referral program, a lot of the internal tools and consumer-facing tools there up until they got acquired by Business Insider. So that's kind of like my background and what brought me into the email newsletter space. Beehive, we launched 18 months ago. We went profitable last month. Well, thank you. We'll hit 3 million ARR this week. And we, I mean, we're young and things are good so far. So yeah, we're hustling, building, and we have different content creators like Matthew Barry's Fantasy Football Newsletter, the Boston Globe's a customer, Milk Road. Um, so those are a few of the different publishers that we're working with, a few in the crowd here. So shout out Unicorner, who we met here at this event last year. So Yep, that's a little background on us. And he genuinely is such a kind, loyal, amazing human, which I think makes him an incredible founder and is why his team is so devoted to helping him build this company. Amazing human being. What's your Twitter? Uh, Dank Tweets. D-E-N-K underscore tweets. My last name is Dank, so D-E-N-K underscore tweets. Thanks for the follow. And Tyler's topic is customer evangelism. So he'll be sharing tactical tips on how to essentially build a really evangelized customer base. Morgan, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Morgan Barrett. Uh, I guess founder of Tech Breakfast Club in New York. And we're a community of founders, investors, operators who get together at least once a month for breakfast. Pretty simple, straightforward, really caught on. 
it's a huge community now and hundreds of people show up every month and we have a lot of fun. Yeah. And so Morgan's topic today is uh, he spends his time between Los Angeles and New York building community. And so his topic is what does he see in the differences between the L.A. tech ecosystem and the New York tech ecosystem? Next up, I have uh, on my list, Min, where are you? Min is the writer for IRL LA. Absolutely had to have. If you want to know what events are going on, he curates the Los Angeles tech events. So tell us a little bit um, about you, an intro. Sure. I guess IRL LA, our home screen, we call it internally. We have like a newsletter in New York, one in LA, and we're looking for someone to do SF actually. So, um, and yeah, so I, I spend, I don't know, half a day every week to write the newsletter, tracking down. Really, I help out Brett Goldstein, who initially did it, and now I just, he was like, you want to help? And I was like, yeah, sure. I just, I want to track events in LA and see the difference between, you know, what's happening in New York, what's happening in San Francisco. It's really interesting. And my actual time, my real job, I do innovation. I run an innovation studio called Fantastic Day. Awesome. And we use Beehive, by the way. And uh, Min's topic will be curating events and even creating content that is high value for a target market. Didn't we originally meet on Clubhouse? We did meet on Clubhouse. That's crazy. Crazy days. So Andy is your plug to get funded. Andy, will you go ahead and introduce yourself? Sure. So um, welcome, everybody. And and Dave, this is great. I love the energy uh, for Tech Week and Bioscience LA. Um, I run the Alliance for Southern California Innovation. We are kind of the super connector, not just for Los Angeles, but all the way to Santa Barbara, to San Diego. So we have an incredible perspective on the diverse innovation micro communities. We do help first-time founders get funding. So thank you. I look forward to talking to that about that. And we have um, something called First Look Los Angeles next week, which is for all the deep tech spinouts coming out of universities. So if you're interested in that, we'd love to have you there. Uh, we'll be at the Scrollball Center. We did 62 events last year at the Alliance. So it's a lot of events, but we love people. And that's why we do events to see all of you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Andy. And of course, Andy will be focusing on how we get funded and community building related to funding. And next up, we have Kevin Winston. Kevin Winston is actually a very important introduction for me because Kevin created Digital LA. It was one of my first, I'm from LA, born and raised. It's one of my first tech events in Los Angeles that I went to. Kevin has been doing this way longer than I have been doing this. I really think you and I, are you know really key players in all so many people coming to Los Angeles for tech and so I just I love everything Kevin and how much you've built up our community you're amazing um go ahead and introduce yourself as are you let's give it up for a spree As and I have been friends for a long time doing stuff in the uh, the tech community. So, uh, so thank you for putting this all together. It's amazing to have all these people here. Honored to be here to speak. Again, I'm Kevin Winston, uh, founder of Digital LA. Uh, Digital LA. I started Digital LA more than like ten years ago because I was like, there should be like regular events every week to connect everyone who's doing amazing things with their startups, uh, connecting VCs, connecting people in entertainment, fashion various industries. We even do stuff with space tech and fashion tech. Uh, so we do events every week all around various topics. We put together panels, we put together mixers, and we put together a Silicon Beach Fest conference that happens every year. Next one will be coming up this fall. So happy to be here and uh, looking forward to this discussion. 
And of course, Kevin will be focused on how to grow a community in Los Angeles and what it looks like to produce events in the ecosystem, uh, what to expect, a couple tactical things related to that. Thank you so Sounds much, good. Kevin. Right, it's such an honor for me to have Kevin here. You have no idea. And then next up, Rob Ryan. Rob Ryan, I like to joke, is everyone's best friend in Los Angeles. He um, has utilized Twitter to create the most relationships I've ever seen ever. Go ahead, introduce yourself. I'm Rob Ryan, as she just said. Um, I run a small agency here called Growth Hacks. Um, if you ever follow me or find me on social media, you'll see that my title says two things. I'm a relationship capitalist and a storyteller. And the relationship capitalist is, the, is what our business is. So we help early stage companies and investors to, to ideate, design, and deliver the relationships that they need to build and expand their businesses. We fundamentally believe that the relationship capital that you have or develop is actually more important than the investment capital. Um, so, and aside from that, I guess maybe just the unofficial cheerleader, yeah. head cheerleader of entrepreneurial economy of Los Angeles, Long LA. And sometimes my therapist when I'm having a nervous sometimes. breakdown. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Rob's topic will be how to build community and utilize Twitter to build, I'll stand next how to, to build community utilizing Twitter. So, and next up we have Shannon. Hi, I'm just going with my eyeline. Shannon is incredible. Okay, Shannon had no network in the tech space, right? None. And then she was a, a We Are LA Tech Club member. She was worried, like, am I okay? Am I the right fit? And she actually was the right fit because she, I don't know if you want it. Well, she did casting for like a business show. So she had all these business associations, right? And anyway, I do the experience club and then I burn myself out as I always do. And I don't do any more experiences. And everyone in the community wanted to stay together. She's like, Esprit, do you mind if I just put together some mixers? I'm like, yeah, sure. Do, do you, do your thing. And she started doing these mixers called SoCal Tech Monthly, right? And hundreds of people showing up at Michael's in Santa Monica. She does them once a month. They're amazing. I go. I'm so proud of you. And she had no network in the tech space. I'm, I'm pretty much introducing you for you. And you introduce her. I'll just finish. So the, the, her topic will be how to build like a successful community and event with no network. But go ahead and formally introduce yourself. You're the best esprit. Um, no, I mean, as you said, um, I started in tech in January of last year, knowing uh, no one in tech, <laughs> and except for the people who hired me. Um, I spent 20 years in uh, unscripted television, casting reality shows and producing documentaries. And I did work on some business shows. Um, I worked on Undercover Boss and The Apprentice. Sorry. Um, uh, <laughs> um, selfishly, honestly, started the, the happy hour basically because the summer series ended and I wanted to still see my friends. Um, and I wanted to continue to have more tech talk because pretty much everybody I knew was in entertainment. Um, so to be able to know no one, but then when you meet us free, then you know everyone. <laughs> and um, uh, I feel really lucky to have this um, monthly networking event that uh, keeps growing and, and is able to connect people in the mindful way that Esprit has sort of taught us all. Mm -hmm. So really just building on things that I've learned from you. I appreciate you. Are your events in men's newsletter? Okay. Yes. Um, okay. Thank you sure that's happening. So we have three more guests I'll be introducing. Again, I was originally going to split up the panels, but I th think it's nicer that we're all just kumbayaing on stage. Zanetta is a TEDx organizer. Absolutely amazing. So excited to have you join us. Hi, everyone. I'm Zanetta, and I started what was originally TEDx Crenshaw. 
in 2015, so I'm a licensee of TED and lead organizer. We have now taken over the whole South LA region, so it's now TEDx South Central, and I'm excited Yay! to talk about it. I'm excited to have you here. It's so awesome. Andrea works with Dot LA. She is an amazing community champion. And so she will be talking about how important um, Dot LA is in our ecosystem. Hi, I'm Andrea. I'm the social and engagement editor at Dot LA. Um, we cover, we're a news organization that covers everything from VCs to EVs to accelerator programs. Um, and we have a daily and weekly newsletter to help everyone in the LA tech scene stay informed. Sarah and I have known each other for quite a while. She's a magnificent community builder with so far sound and well, or formerly and creator now. She's just so heart driven and, and amazing. So it's going to be talking about how to infuse your heart into everything that you do in community building. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Sarah. Um, I've been doing community building for over 15 years, first in politics and then creator economy and entertainment. So I'm really excited to talk about building community with heart and compassion and intention, which Esprit does all the time. So really excited to be here with everyone. Okay, so how do you infuse uh, heart into community? Because you and I both know it looks like we could just get everything done, but it's very tiring. So what does that look like in your ecosystem in a tactical way that everyone here can implement? Um, the biggest thing I always tell people is listen. Listen to your community. Listen to your clients. Listen to your staff. Um, when we talk about being like heart-driven, one of the biggest things that I always bring to everyone is opening dialogue. Um, I've always had a space for people to either leave comments, give feedback, check in with each other. People change and grow all the time. Communities change and grow all the time. When you're starting with a community of 50 people to 100 people to 1,000 to a million across different parts of the planet, everyone changes. So um, open lines of dialogue, communicating, and pivoting. Um, a lot of people here are in startups, so you understand the need to pivot. And with communities, that is one of the most important things that you can do to listen and to pivot when needed. So my biggest advice of being heart-driven is being open to change and um, being open to listen to your community. Yeah, so uh, Gina asked an amazing question about So Far Sounds, which is a big music tech company. And it's about music events and bringing people together. Started in London, then New York, then we opened up LA. And then now it's in over 300 to 500 cities around the world. And one of the biggest things with that, um, with starting so far and starting to build community is that word right there, start. Uh, bring the people that you know, create a culture and a space that's very inviting and open, and then expand from there. So with So Far Sounds, when we started in London, it was a room of seven people, of just friends, and then we told them to bring a plus one, as long as they understood the culture of what we were doing. Um, we had a very clear mission, and we had three points. One, everyone is welcome. Two, you appreciate music. And three, anyone who comes into this space has to come in with intention. So we'd always tell people um, to be quiet for the show, to respect the artists when they're performing, similar to what Esprit just did, walking around, making sure everyone was intentional to listen to the amazing people here. Um, and then from there, people vibed with it because the music scene is very loud. And so we told people like, hey, in this space, there's three artists, each 20 minutes, we'll be done on time, please listen to them. That is the best way to show respect to this group. And with any community that you build, setting that intention, setting that tone of what you're there for is important. And once everyone has that clarity, it's easy to grow from there. So Andrea, 
Tell us all about .LA. If you don't know .LA, it is the go-to resource to be plugged into what's going on in the city when it comes to news. Yeah, that's that's the best possible way I could explain it. But um, something that I really try to do as the social editor is to encourage kind of like what you were saying about listening to your audience and asking them what they want. Um, I do a lot of polls on Twitter and LinkedIn and ask our audience what they're interested in learning about more. And then we take that feedback and put it into our newsletter and the content we produce. So I think that's something that we're trying to do more of, especially with our newsletter. We've, we've really taken our newsletter and created a more uh, local focus so that people feel informed about issues that are important and relevant to them now. We do get a lot of DMs on our Instagram and Twitter, but I don't think, I feel like I, I genuinely, I'm, I'm like an, I'm one of those people that like tried really hard to respond to everything that we get. So I don't think that there's ever a time. I mean, our, our audience is really respectful for the most part. Um, most of the time when it's like something that I wouldn't respond to, it's probably a bot. <laughs> so, so I don't really ever have an issue of, um, yeah, I don't think there's anything that we would not take into consideration, honestly. Thank you for that. Okay. Yes. I see what you're saying. He said t discerning what to listen to versus discerning what not to listen to. Um, in that case, it would be if we have like an overwhelming amount of feedback for one particular thing, like people really like to learn about VCs and like where capital is being spent in the community. So we try to, we have like a weekly uh, roundup of that. Um, and that's something we started doing because we had the community members saying we want more of that content. So it's kind of just like, yeah, you listen to the community. And if there's a lot of people saying one thing, you should probably do that one thing. And Shannon, how do you start a, a an event series, a community without any network? How do you pick the place? How, where do you invite the people? How do you get to this reoccurring monthly hundreds of people showing up? That's quite hard to do. I think I've been inspired by some of the things that have happened in your career where you almost don't know any better. So you just yeah. do it and you start it. Um, I feel like such a newbie in tech, but I have to say that the LA community specifically is so welcoming. I feel more welcomed in a year and a half in tech than I ever did in 20 years in entertainment. And I think that says a lot. But I basically just needed a community because I needed people to learn from and hopefully I could assist as well. Um, I'm a recruiter, which sometimes can be a bad word and I get that. <laughs> Most recruiters suck. Um, <laughs> um, I think I don't, but um, <laughs> you know, uh, a lot of people also think that reality TV sucks. Um, so I already came from a space where there was a lot of judgment there. Um, but I also think that there's a lot of value that can be given in a space that um, maybe is looked down upon or is, um, um, you know, judged in some way. But for me, I am a curious person. That's why I've always loved interviewing people. And I learn from people who are smarter than me and who have been in it longer than me. So that's why I decided to build the community accidentally, honestly. <laughs> I mean, I joined the summer series and just really wanted to be able to have something to look forward to and somewhere that people could come find and commune with other people. And I really thought that I was going to be judged um, based on the fact that I was so new to the community. And the opposite has been true. Um, if anything, the fact that I've been able to help anybody at all, um, you know, gives me value. Um, but really, I love the idea that I can match make people at my events. It's it's just um, given me a lot of confidence. But I love to be able to actually look in this room and see people that I have um, built in my own community, even just from the last year and a half. And I look forward to just you know, continuing that for myself, but also for anybody else who shows up to, to the actual events. And, and really I try to match make people. So sometimes it's gotten a little too big. So I'm not 
able to talk to everybody who arrives. But for the most part, if somebody comes, I'm like, oh, tell me what you're interested in. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, I would love for you to meet this person. And um, that kind of gratification has been really exciting. But then all of this really comes from, you know, what I kind of learned from you. So I'm just copying. <laughs> you are allowed. And what, what question would we let? Yeah, go for it. So um, thanks, Natalie. Uh, she just transitioned from CPG into tech and was curious other things that I am involved in. I really just, uh, you know, I don't want to overwhelm myself. I also feel like I've learned this from Esprit. I am somebody who from is used to production life. I, um, I only know how to sprint. I do not know how to marathon. Um, so I'm still trying to learn that, but I would say initially I did too much. And then I just, you know, uh, I wasn't really getting value from the actual things that I was doing, but I, too, I try to go to at least one event a week. We just try to, to get our name out there and, and really just, again, learn and grow. I would say actually this panel is probably the perfect way to understand the LO, uh, LA eco- ecosystem. There's also another, um, happy hour that happens from the startup arena and you can get on there their newsletter. I was actually just talking to, to somebody inside about how I need to use Beehive to have my own newsletter. Um, <laughs> Not biased or anything. <laughs> and so um, I think it's really just putting yourself out there and not being scared. The first um, We Are LA Tech Summer Series event that I walked to, I was terrified. <laughs> um, I was so nervous that I wasn't going to have anything to offer anybody and um, that I was just going to be taking. And that's not how I live my life. I'm a giver. And what I found is if you just show up with a, um, it sounds really cheesy, but just sort of like a clear heart and have good intentions, people will see that. Um, and honestly, one of the first conversations I had with Esprit in the culture fit for We Are LA Tech uh, was, I get it. If you don't want me because I'm a recruiter, I totally understand. And I said, and and that's, you know, that's something that's, you know, I, first of all, I love that she does the culture fits, but I think if you are showing up in a space where you're like, I'm new, but perhaps, you know, there's a lot of interlacing between CPG and tech. I personally, I actually recently worked with a lot of e-commerce SaaS platforms. And so you probably have so much more to give than you're even giving yourself credit for. So do some research, be strategic about the events that are going to, you know, be useful for you and then just show up and see what happens. Awesome. Did that help? Awesome. Thank you so much, Shannon. So Andy, how do we, how do we get funded? I just wanted to talk a little bit about um, 10 years ago, I started something called Friday Coffee Meetup Group in Pasadena. We now have 12,000 members in that group. Wow. And it started with four people at a Starbucks. And what you find is if there's kind of, you know, people are interested, a lot of people just don't have the time, the gumption to actually make something happen. So sometimes just turning the valve on is like surprising what will happen. That's a great example. Um, but turning to funding, uh, I did spend 10 years as a VC, and I remember um, 15 years ago, really to age myself, Kevin, <laughs> uh-huh. that you know I used to know every VC in Southern California. You could, count, frankly, count them. And over the last decades, there's over 125 venture capital firms in Southern California, which is amazing. And it speaks volumes of what's happened in, in Los Angeles and Southern California in terms of venture formation. Um, but there's lots of challenges in VC. It's, it's still, despite best efforts from groups like Pledge LA, it is very much a closed network. Uh, and one of the things we've done um, at the Alliance is come up with something called SoCal Venture Pipeline, where um, last year we talked to 1,000 entrepreneurs. We selected 300, and we hand curate those introductions to VCs. And I think it's not VCs are intentionally kind of, I don't want to say closed-minded, but they're, they're busy and they live in the circles they know. And so we intentionally find, I would say, very, very capable entrepreneurs who wouldn't have access. 
and um, nothing like a warm introduction to somebody when we know firsthand that that entrepreneur is going to frankly kick some ass. And if you had just took the time to hear their story, they, they, you would be impressed and want to hear more of it. So, Andy, everybody here that's like looking to raise right now, yeah. how can they form relationships with investors if they don't have a contact? Do they go to the SoCal yeah. Alliance to start forming that? Yeah. So it is a relationship-driven business. So, and that's the problem. That works despite our, our efforts. And, and VCs are super busy. You probably don't, I don't know how many VCs are in this room, but probably not many. Yeah, SoCal Venture Pipeline, please apply. It's on the uh, website of the Alliance. Uh, we're, we're thrilled by who's been applying. I'm happy to report that over 40% of the companies who have applied and got funded are, are women founders, and over 60% are, are founders of color, which I think does a great job representing this amazing community. And that's our commitment, is we want to represent the best entrepreneurs and represent the best of Southern California. And it's not, that's not me, a bunch of you know, old white guys. It's all of you, right? So being intentional about what you talk about yeah. is really important. It's working really well. And frankly, the VCs, once you make that connection, they're grateful for, that we're doing that work and the community building work behind it. So the question is about um, Shark Tank and kind of what's the next generation of entertainment. And I think, you know, having spent 10 years as a VC, what you see at Shark Tank is nothing like the real venture capital world. It's reality television. So I, I differentiate yourself from that. Um, you know, those companies are obviously predominantly consumer companies. And some of the most important companies built in Los Angeles are, you know, biotech companies that are here involved with Bioscience LA or space companies. And I assure you, no one at Shark Tank is going to fund those. I do think there's a really, I'm biased. Uh, we have an incredible um, ecosystem of research-based innovation here. And I think as much as I love Hollywood, I think some of the most profound innovation around improving mankind will happen here in Southern California. Why do I say that? UCLA, UCSD, UC Riverside, the largest research universities in the country in Los Angeles and some of the smartest people are working on some of the most important challenges. And if we can talk about that story of how the lab comes into the real world and changes humanity, I think that's that's more that's more exciting than you know some clever consumer function at a Shark Tank. Let's talk about the good work that we can do as a community to make Los Angeles and the world a better place. Awesome! Thank you so much for the question. Thank you, Andy. Morgan, L.A. versus New York. How are we doing? <laughs> or just L.A. and New York. It doesn't have to be versus. Okay, no, I like that, Rob. Yes, thank you, Rob, for the catch. L.A. and New York. My story is not very, very similar to Shannon's story where I spent the summer with Esprit last year and we had a great time. We did this experience club. We had a bunch of really fun dinners and just cool things that we did. Um, and then I go back to New York and there was maybe like 10 people that I needed to meet up with. And instead of doing like separate like drinks or however we were going to do it, uh, I was just like, let's all get breakfast together. And that's how it started. It was like an accident. I had zero expectations. We had 10 people together for breakfast and we had so much fun. We were like, we should do this again. Next time it was 30 people. And then the time after that, it was 60 people and then 120 and then 200 people. And it just grew. And like in hindsight, I, I, I was thinking, could you do that in LA? I think you could do that in LA. There's just, you know, some slight differences between LA and New York, more density in New York. There's more people in New York. It's easier to get around. Um, but the flip side of that is there's also like way more events 
in New York, there's more like competition for attendance and people will go to like five or six events uh, every week or like multiple events in the same day. Um, but I mean, that happens in LA. That's like tech week. Uh, it's just tougher to get around. I think that's the main difference is it's tougher to get around. If you're in Pasadena, you're probably not going to go to a breakfast meetup in Venice. Um, but I don't, I don't know. You could. You could. People would probably. How did you create such a successful breakfast series in New York? Because you didn't. You were kind of like Shannon. You didn't have. I, I didn't have an incredible uh, network. No. I didn't know a ton of people. I mean, I think you had like five people following you on Twitter when we met. So. Yeah. Wow, I think I was one of them. That's, that's, that's true. Uh, yeah, I think we were like closing 1,500 or so. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was so funny that a uh, big secret to success and like making an event is elevating the people that attend, elevating your co-hosts. Um, if you make your co-hosts look really good, they're going to be excited. If you make people that attend look really good and you celebrate them, um, they're going to be happy. They're going to bring their friends uh, like what value are you adding to the ecosystem? Uh, really resonated with me what Shannon was saying. It, it's it's the it's the blueprint um, that if you're helpful, uh, good things are going to happen. If you if you give, uh, that's when the fun starts. Awesome. Okay, so Steph just asked, what was the trick to getting from zero to one when you don't have a network to starting a group? And I uh, two things. I think you got to figure out like is there an opening in the current landscape? Like, you know, if there's a ton of happy hours, like I, I decided to do a breakfast club. Um, nobody was doing anything in the morning. People have free time in the morning. They're excited to go. They want to, you know, big movement of sobriety in the tech community as well. So like getting away from like uh, alcoholic drinks and beverages, coffee totally changes the mood. But like, that's one thing. And then the thing that like really helped that ignited that was choosing fun co-hosts that had maybe like, a slightly larger network than I did and didn't have time to plan something, didn't have time to do the logistics, but wanted to have fun, wanted to do something um, and making them look good. So, I mean, there's plenty of people out there who have great networks that are just like too busy to do anything and would be more than happy to team up with you. And then, you know, you make them look good and they're happy to celebrate you as well. Um, And everyone gets something out of it. So, yeah, I think that's like the biggest growth hack that I just stumbled into and total accident. Uh, I, I don't even know where that came from, except that like I wanted to do it with a friend. Awesome. And thank you for the question. Tyler. What's up? How, How in the world did you build such a thriving fan base for Beehive? Very similar to Morgan, like a complete accident. And people ask me about community and I have no idea how I'm qualified to speak about this. <laughs> um, but I'd say it probably comes down to like two things when I try to break it down. One, it's like cliche, but building in public. I'm, I do everything incredibly transparently, both with my employees. They know how much money we're making, how much money we're burning, what's working, what's not working. I portray that on LinkedIn, Twitter, everyone else kind of sharing the journey. And I think fundamentally people align more with a person than a brand. And so kind of nominating myself as the face of the brand that's going to share the ups, the downs, everything in between um, has gotten a lot of people to ride along on the journey. Either they are interested in what we're doing or interested in entrepreneurship and they can look to me and what we're struggling with as someone that they just want to follow. And anyone who's listened to a podcast and bought something that they promoted, it's like once you build that relationship and look up to someone, it's easier to sell them on your product. And so that's been one. 
I'd say related to that is like being way too available. And so I answer every single DM. Uh, when we launch features, people say, hey, this is cool, but if you did this, I think it'd be a lot better. And I think about it, and I go, actually, you're right. And then we launch it a week later, and that affinity of feeling heard as a user knows a lot of evangelism for our product. Um, so I answer every DM, LinkedIn, Twitter. That's one thing. And then I also spend an hour in support every single night talking to our users. So like I am on the forefront. I want to know what users are having pain points for, what's working, what's not. They get a message from me actually digging to their account and solving their problems. So extremely customer and user driven. Um, and then the third thing was kind of an accident, but early stages of a startup, like you're just looking for early adopters and people would say, I just moved over from Substack. We have so much better, better user interface. Like it's so easy to use. Like kind of selfishly, I retweet that. We retweet it from my account and from the company account. And then they're like, oh, same thing. Like I just hit 10,000 subscribers on Beehive. So easy to do. Retweet from me and the company. And so that kind of does a few things. One, it encourages other people when they hit milestones to share it and to tag us. And so one, it's just great for us. It proves that the product works and that people are having success on it, which is like the best growth mechanism is not me telling you how great the product is, but other people talking about how great the product is. And then it also creates this narrative as like a casual bystander on Twitter when 15 people all just said they moved from Substack or MailChimp to Beehive. Like it builds the narrative that I want to create is we are the superior product and everyone's moving to us. And so it both shares the wins and successes of our users and creates a narrative that I'm proud of. And it kind of culminated actually like a few days ago. Um, totally unprompted. Someone said, what's better? I'm starting a newsletter, MailChimp or Beehive. I didn't retweet. I didn't touch it. I didn't see it till hours later. No less than 50 comments all saying Beehive is by far the best option. And that was like the first like real community. Like I didn't encourage that whatsoever. And like the Beehive community like really stood up and, and kind of had our back. So that is the culmination of 18 months of listening to what every user has said about us and really prioritizing them. Um, and that was really cool to see. And you know what I love about Beehive, like just being deep in the Beehive community myself, is that it's the one place where as a newsletter creator, you're not alone. Like no matter what stage you're in, when you enter the world of Beehive, um, Tyler's built all these collaborative systems for all of us to get together and to brain share. So yeah, I love well, One thing just to double click yeah. on that, where we come from and like differentiate is I like being the second employee at Morning Brew. I don't know just how to build software. I know how to build and collect data that's useful for newsletter people who want to create a successful newsletter. I know what data is important. I know how to properly attribute data. I know what growth tools work. I sat in between the content creation team and the sales team. So I know how to monetize. I know what sales teams care about and I know what writers care about. And so like it really is like founder, market, product fit, whatever the saying is like, I'm not just building software because I know how to build a SaaS platform. I'm doing it from the experience of scaling Morning Brew to get acquired. And so I think people see that and they know I give a shit more than anyone else in the space. And the amount of DMs that I get of, I could never leave Beehive because I know how much you care and you answer all of my questions when I DM you. And it gets harder with scale, but still something we prioritize. I love it. What question do we have for Tyler? Uh, yes, a brevity Chris, Christina that from Houston, creating a women in tech newsletter. What advice to grow a successful newsletter in general it doesn't even have to be just women in tech. I would say being women in tech is there's already community and movement there. And so like the easiest way to acquire subscribers beyond just like paid acquisition on Facebook, Snapchat is leaning into different community plays and leveraging people who have an audience 
that's what makes my job easier is like our users have an audience natively or they're trying to scale an audience. Um, so leaning into other people like Esprit and others who are kind of already championing that space. Um, another thing to do in the content space is kind of like guest host. So having some, like people like the feel special and telling them that they can be a guest author on an upcoming post. In turn, they share it with their audience. Now you've tapped into their audience. Um, there's like a bunch of different like growth hacks for kind of like scaling content and audiences, but uh, we can talk after. I'm happy to help out. Awesome. Min, tell us about IRL LA and like how do you start curating? Like, did you pick events specifically because you knew it would be high value or you're just like, this is a good opportunity? Like, what was the angle and why is it worth your time to curate events for LA Tech? And again, if you're not subscribed to IRL LA, which is also Beehive Newsletter, um, you, it, really, that's how you could stay plugged into what's going on. Yeah. Um, I guess the question is like, how do I yeah, choose? And come, what? come a little. Yeah. I like being behind Heisenberg. Oh, you know? behind the we are like. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess every week, every, you know, before Monday, I released a newsletter around like Monday, Monday afternoon. I mean, it's interesting because I, I'm from the Bay Area, but I spent also about 14 years in Asia and was part of those tech communities. And so it's interesting being in LA for the last four or five years and seeing how those, how the events are emerging every week or every month, you know, like Web3 going down, AI coming, coming up. But at the same time, you know, to Morgan's point, it's like LA is so distributed that, you know, I've got LA, I've got events in Pasadena and then events in Venice, you know, and what are those concentrations? And I think for us, it's like, we're trying to build like a newsletter that is a hub for the professional network of, of tech in LA. And so that's kind of the pole star for us. So I'm, that's how I'm curating. But to be honest, like sometimes I, I struggle. Like every week, sometimes I'm like, there aren't a lot of events. And I look at like Luma San Francisco or Luma New York. And I'm like, whoa, every day there's yeah. five tech events. In fact, there's three tech or AI events every day in San Francisco, right? And, and then there's, but then, you know, to, to, um, to Andy's point, you know, it's very diverse, right? So I'm trying to find this balance between tech, startup, multimedia, entertainment, influencer. And then some days, you know, like Thursday is the hottest day every week, unfortunately. So I'm just like, yo, everybody, please, you know, do a Wednesday, do a hump day. Totally. But, uh, That's so true. You know, but, uh, you know, but I, some days when it's like Saturday, there's nothing. So it's like at least L.A. has got, you know, the Rose Bowl or it's got, you know, yeah. the flea market. Or there's a lot of things that people can do. And so we're also thinking about what is like a wholesome tech or startup entrepreneur's life like in LA and are they just, you know, are the benefit of living in LA isn't just that I get access to, you know, a diverse set of tech, you know, startups. I'm also looking at, oh, I can also go for a hike. I can also, you know, check out a screening that just came out, you know, and all this stuff, which is really cool and exciting. So I'm also selfish. Can you share the URL too? Because sometimes it's hard to find. That's good. Just, just Google IRL LA and it'll pop up. Okay, cool. To subscribe. Yeah. Easier. How important do you think, um, and this question comes from, so I asked Ev Williams, who co-founded Twitter. I asked Lewis Howes with um, his podcast, it's something like uh, How to Be Great or something. You, a lot of you, I'm sure, know Lewis Howes. And I asked them, like, how important is it to network in order to grow your career? And so your events are, the, you're promoting events to network what we're doing right now. How important do you think coming to this and plugging into all the events you're sharing is vital to having a successful company? Ooh, that's a tough question. I mean, 
I, as an entrepreneur myself, I think every job opportunity and like client that I've gotten has been through networking. So I would say it's like the one of the most the most important things. So and you can find out on IRLLA. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you, man. Next up, we have Rob, Hi. the Tom of LA. There you go. The Tom of MySpace of LA. How would you like me to Ta- answer my topical question? <laughs> How in the world do we use Twitter to form community and create new relationships? Because you have so successfully utilized Twitter in order to form a very strong network here in LA Tech. So how do we do that? What are a couple tactics you can give us? So super tactical. If, you, if you're looking for advice on how to build you know, a million followers on Twitter, I'm not your guy. Um, if you're looking for advice how to build really hard, high ROI, sorry, really high ROI on the conversion between Twitter and real life relationships with quality people, follow me on Twitter, right? Because then you will be part of our pod of really quality people that I have been fortunate enough to build relationships with on Twitter, five of whom are here today, all meeting for the first time, like in real life. Um, so I, I think the, re- the next level of that answer is, and it sounds super trope, but like be yourself, right? So I, I can't tell you to be kind and be helpful and use Twitter to amplify others and use Twitter to shout out other people over yourself if that's not who you are. Like, so I, I can't tell you, that's who I am. So I've decided to use the tool that way. Um, I think Esprit would fairly say this, that if you meet me in real life, like if we talk today or if you have interacted with me on Twitter, I am essentially the same person. And I get that comment a lot, which I take as like the greatest compliment ever. So I, I'm, my best advice to you is to use the tool. And maybe Twitter's not your tool. By the way, it's kind of a crazy company right now run by a really weird dude. Right, so like I've not left mostly just because of the real life relationships with that, that I have with the hand two thirds of the people that I'm connected to. And by the way, I literally couldn't tell you how many followers I have on Twitter. I have no idea because I don't think about it that way. I just think about that there's five Twitter? people here today that I know from Twitter. What's your Twitter? <laughs> it's <laughs> it's the easiest one ever. I am Rob Ryan. Yeah. So just my name. I am Rob Ryan. And looks like me except without the hat. One of my friends joked, they said that I send YOLO tweets. Um, so don't try to be perfect. Just be you, like yeah. Rob said. And just it's all about forming relationships and just being human. If there, what, if there yeah. are two parts to the last part there, I would say, again, being yourself, but, like, but tell a story. So, so decide how you're going to use the tool. Be intentional about why you use, whether it's Instagram or TikTok or Twitter, whatever it is that you're comfortable with, decide why you're doing it on a daily basis and then do it just consistently. Just be consistent with it. Right? So one of the things I write a story, I tell a story of my day, which people here are part of that story. 99% of the time, it is a story about someone else and my experiences, the world through their eyes that day that I was fortunate enough to interact with and little fun factoid is I've literally told a story of the day, a Rob story for like 2,830 days in a row now. Um, but it, like, I don't, it doesn't, I don't know if it converts to a newsletter audience. I don't know if I'd have 10 million, like people say you should have more followers. I'm like, I don't, it's, it's me being me using the tools to serve my mission in life. What question do we have for Rob? Does anyone here use AI to build community? Not yet, huh? No, I, I'm very human. Like I sent out personal messages to over a hundred of you. I don't know if you saw them. I, I spent hours 
just like personally messaging each person. Yeah, I don't I don't rely on AI to love people. I rather be human. <laughs> so I just rather be human. I rather be a person that is a human being and loving. Yeah. I don't so no one here is AI. Yeah. So yeah. there's there's a I'll I'll ask I'll I'll do one more. How about AI when it comes to writing newsletters? What do you think about your your newsletter writers utilizing AI to help them write more consistently? It's a hot button topic, I'd say, because if you've ever seen like the Notion demo where you say write eight paragraphs about blank, it basically could do the job of a writer, maybe worse or better, depending on how you look at it. So we're like very intentional about not replacing our users, aka content creators, but like being able to provide tools to help them. And there's a few ways we look at that. AI generated images, I think is really interesting. So rather than using the rights of like, if you don't have a Getty images or you need a thumbnail image for your most recent post, being able to describe it and generate images, I think is like a really great use case. I find it personally difficult after writing a post of how to summarize it and then share it on Twitter, LinkedIn, and my audience. So being able to say, I just spent four hours writing this, can AI summarize for this and then tweak it however you want in two, three sentences. Um, so those are like kind of tangential ways I think we're thinking about using AI slash in the process of building now. Um, I don't really want to get into write the top five stories in crypto and make it kind of funny. I think that's the entire newsletter. Um, there's other tools that probably could do that. And you can, there's nothing stopping you from copy and pasting it into our editor. Um, but I think we're trying to work with content teams and writers and make their jobs easier or take the worst part of their jobs and remove it if possible. Um, but we have some updates coming out in the next few weeks, AI related. Not my personal social media, but in our company social media and our podcast, my team, which is mostly in Mexico, and so English is their second language, although very proficient at both, which is better than me. Um, they've begun to use AI in ChatGPT to write some of our social posts on the podcast and on the business site. And basically, we just learn really quickly within about a week like now she has to check it afterwards to humanize it. Mm. Right. So, so it's great for her because it's the prompt where her mind gets stuck with like, I don't know exactly what to try and express because I'm not as native to English, but then she'll have ChatGPT write it in English and then she'll humanize it, like kind of keep it to our tone. So I think that's the future of AI anyways. Awesome. But. And we have Zanetta. Hello. Am I saying it right? Yeah, you okay. got it right. Perfect. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. So, Yo, everyone wants to give a TEDx talk. Everyone wants to create TEDx. Little known fact, I don't, I don't think anyone here knows this, is that I created, I co-created um, TEDx Hollywood, but I let it go. But yeah, a uh, lot of respect for you building. It's not easy, especially it's a lot harder now than when I did it back then. We could still do bar- backyard stuff back oh, then. Wow. So it's like really the beginning of TEDx. So, so tell us like, just there's so many different angles. Like, how do you, one, how did you get involved in becoming a TEDx organizer? And then for everybody who wants to speak at a TEDx, how can they speak? Yeah. If you're comfortable answering those two. Yeah, very. So great question. I, a part of my morning routine, used to watch a TED Talk a day. So I don't know if TED still has this because now that I'm an organizer, I don't watch any TED Talks actually <laughs> because I'm like critiquing them from a production standpoint versus listening to the content. But but I watched the TED Talk a day as a part of my morning routine. TED used to have this function on their app where you can tell it how many minutes you had. So if you woke up and you said, I have eight minutes, 
I have 12 minutes. It would give you all the talks within those minute timeframes. And I would just watch a talk. But I wasn't seeing enough talks with people who looked like me. And I wasn't seeing talks with people from my community who I knew had good ideas. I grew up with someone who created the first laser at uh, NASA. And I was like, well, he doesn't have a TED Talk, right? And this dude was like 70 years old at the time. And I'm like, well, why isn't anyone finding him? I knew people who integrated schools. I knew people who were the first black teachers in their schools. I knew people who created like innovative curriculum, but they were just chilling as as the real people are in L.A., right? Just walking around among us doing great things. But they didn't have TED Talks. And I was like, this seems like a problem. Also, at that time, it was only TEDx Pasadena, TEDx Culver City and TEDx Manhattan Beach. And so there wasn't any south of the 10 freeway representative south la and i thought that was very odd as well and so i just kind of like started looking on the website determining well how do people do this and i found out that they do it and how they do it so i just applied for a license and like esprit said it's really challenging a lot more challenging than they make you think it is ted basically gives you a hundred page rule book and says go You have to build everything else. You have to build your team. You have to find your location. You have to build your production team. You have to do the production. You have to raise the money. Uh, You have to do the post-production. You have to market the videos. So you have to do everything. And I didn't know anything about production Um, in 2015 when I started it. I literally had the vision that Esprit used to do. I was like, oh, well, I could do this. We could just do it in the backyard and whatever. (laughs) And it was not that. It was very much a production that we did at a local middle school. And I just thought, well, hey, I'll do this one time and then people will have a TED Talk and people will have a platform and then I'll go back to my regular life. That is like literally what I thought was going to happen. How many years ago was that? That was like that was 2015. So (laughs) eight or nine years ago. And it went so well in all aspects of the event. So attendees were coming up to us after, well, when is the next one? The team thought that our, that the way we gelled was amazing right there. We surprisingly got a team with no ego. No one wanted to be in the front. No one wanted to take the credit. There were no arguments the whole six months that we planned the event, which I think is very rare if anyone's built a team before. And so there was no team conflict that first year. So then the team was like, well, I guess we could do this again. And we did it again. And we thought, okay, this is going to be it. And then they were like, no. And the production team was like, well, we have to do this again. And when your production team says that they have to do it again, that's pretty dope. And so, yeah, since by the time we got to 2017, I said, okay, we need a strategy. We need a strategic plan. We need to really kind of plan this out. And so Ted really likes our content. You know, I don't know if you know, but... There, when you do a TEDx talk, the talks go on YouTube, the TEDx YouTube channel, which is where most people see them. But if Ted really, really, really likes your video, they will put it on TED.com, which is another kind of moment of uh, appreciation that they give your talk. So a number of our talks have made it to TED.com. Ted really started liking our work liking what we were doing in the community. I have helped start TEDx Willowbrook, TEDx Compton, TEDx Inglewood, and TEDx Flatbush. Wow. So Ted really liked that. And so they asked us to take over the South LA region. So now we went from TEDx Crenshaw from 2015 to 2022. 
Now in 2023, we're TEDx South Central. Wow. Yeah. Congrats. Thanks. So to answer your second question, how do people become a TEDx speaker, I think is a, a great question. But I also want to highlight other parts that you can be involved in because everybody wants to be a speaker but some people don't realize you probably would have been a better sponsor mm-hmm. right you probably would have been a better ambassador because of your network right because of your network what you can provide and so i think people really miss their opportunity and their strengths of contributing to a tedx event so you can sponsor an event you can be an attendee you can be an ambassador but you can also be a speaker and everybody wants to be a speaker But I would say that X means independently organized. So that means every event has their own process. TEDx South Central works different from TEDx Inglewood, works different from TEDx Compton, works different from TEDx Culver City and how they procure their speakers. Like I know TEDx Culver City used to fly people in from different places. TEDx South Central really likes to stay true to the local community. So we want we want when you leave the event, we want you to be able to see the speaker in your local coffee shop. We want you to be able to run into them at a Tech Week event. And so we we really want speakers from the from South L.A. or from L.A. in general. And then we want people with great ideas. So we don't care that you're a good speaker. We don't care that you've spoke in front of audience before. We have coaches. We can make you a good speaker. We want somebody with a great idea, uh, something that maybe hasn't been shared before or that has that has can be shared in a different way. We want speakers that are going to spark innovation that's going to spark an idea in the room that's going to wake people up and get let people be energized we also like to work with people that don't have a lot of ego and could take feedback surprisingly people want to be tedx speakers thinking it's just going to be a keynote but that's not how we work so our our event is every our annual conference is every october every first saturday of october we have salons throughout the year you can follow us and find where our events are With that, our rehearsals start in April or May for our October event. So we really make it a journey of speakers really practicing, perfecting their talk, perfecting this idea, and really having this talk that will live on. Because as long as the internet exists, that talk will exist and be seen by millions of people across the globe. And so that matters to us. That matters to our legacy. And that matters to the legacy we want people to have in this talk and so that's how you can become a tedx speaker thank you so much yeah. you're, you're so inspiring you're so cool yeah how do we follow you tedx south central across all platforms please follow us joe asks, can i recommend a tedx south central video that i really like so there are no no tedx south central videos that have been published yet probably we've had a salon in may on web3 and we had a salon in March on education. So those will probably be published in the la- in the next month. But I, so I could go back to TEDx Crenshaw and tell you a TEDx Crenshaw video. We had a talk by Nikki Okuk. The original title was Fire the Boss. But when Ted put it on TED.com, they changed the title. So I actually don't know what the title was changed to. But her concept was she used to own a tire recycling company in maybe Compton. And she wanted, her concept was that she wanted to turn her company into a co-op. 
She wanted to fire herself, make all her employees owners of the company. And this was the concept that she was, this was the idea that she was pitching to the audience. Well, why doesn't everyone do this? And that has been one of my favorite talks because of what she was saying and just the idea of like, yeah, what if we had more co-ops? At that time, we did have a lot of co-ops in South LA. There were car washes, there were coffee shops. I'm not sure if they've all made it through the pandemic, but we had co-ops and they were really changing the lives of their employees by what they were doing and how they were operating. So I thought it was a really cool concept, as we all know, going into business and are we going to go into a recession? Are we not going to go into a recession? We've known a whole bunch of people that have been laid off in the past six months. And so, you know, what does this co-op structure look like? But also her journey to the TED Talk is my favorite as well. In rehearsal, she never could finish her talk because she always cried. And so all of us were very nervous of like, oh, my gosh, we had to teach her. How do you keep going after you cry? Why do you keep crying? Right. We had to get into this, this whole philosophical conversation. Like, why do you always cry at this point? We really need you to finish your talk so we can know how this is going to end. So everybody was like holding their breath the day of because she's on stage. and We're like, dang, she's going to cry. Dang, she's going to cry. And like you know, what does the crying do? Are you going to, in rehearsal, she could never finish because she cried so hard. But on that day, she didn't cry. And so seeing that you will never know this by looking at the talk, right? But this is something who cried, who it meant so much to her, the concept that she cried in every talk, she could never finish it. And she really worked hard to perfect the craft. She also told me no five times when I asked her to speak. You know, I get that a lot too with my Women in Tech podcast. I've interviewed hundreds of women around the world yeah. and I can't tell you how many of them say I'm not good enough. Yeah. And I'm like, what? She said no. Yeah. She's, she said, I was like, you have... on your panel who said no to <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I saw her on a panel and I was like, you have to talk about this. You have to have a TEDx talk. So she was like, absolutely not. She even invited me to a co-op meetup and she convinced everyone that they were going to take a vote on who should do the TEDx talk and everybody chose her. And that's that's when that's when she was like, oh, okay, I guess I have to do it. And so she was very reluctant. She was very hesitant. She didn't want to do it. She didn't think she didn't think it was a good enough idea to really share with the world. And I totally disagreed. And once it published, it published around the same time that TED Global was in Johannesburg. And her talk was put on TED.com and it got a million views in like two days. And so I think that just speaks to what everybody else felt her talk, the, how it reverberated. I always say, like, just look for the open door to yes and don't close a door on yourself. Mm -hmm. Don't create your own no's. Let someone else tell you no. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much. And thank you, Joe, for the question. Kevin, so I have questions that I could ask you. But you have produced hundreds of events and you are a master. So what do you think would be most useful for everyone here to know? I think the uh, most useful thing for everyone to know is four things, basically, when you're uh, thinking about creating events or beginning involved in a community. Um, I call them the four C's, which I kind of made up on the way over here. Um, <laughs> uh, the first one is be creative. Uh, when you're creating an event, be creative with the topic. Uh, do it at a creative space. LA, we, LA people, we tend to like things that are new, something something fun, something interesting. So make sure there's something new, some some hook about the event. Uh, my background is I'm a, I used to work at uh, 
at Sony Pictures Digital and Fox Interactive Media doing digital movie marketing. And uh, with every movie that you market, you're like, what's the hook? Well, we'll get people to actually see the movie. What's your marketing hook? So similarly for events, what's the cool thing that makes it really interesting? For this one, awesome venue, conveniently located, fantastic people, amazing food, amazing free food and sponsors. So, uh, and you get to hang out with the spree and uh, all these other amazing people. So uh, definitely the good hook for this event. So be, be creative. Uh, the second thing that I would say is to be consistent. A lot of people have an idea for a, a series, an idea for an event. Uh, they do one, they maybe do another one, but then they kind of like run out of steam. They get busy doing other things. Uh, they, they skip a month and skip two more, and then people kind of forget about it. So if you, all the speakers here uh, have been consistent. They all had an idea. Uh, they all decided to do it. People said, hey, that was great. Let's do it again. And they've been good at consistently doing it. They all created web presences and newsletters with me uh, and, <laughs> and other tools. And, uh, and so having that consistency really helps. So then when people tell other people, they're like, oh, okay, they know that this event is happening and it's reliable. With uh, Digital LA, uh, I have a similar story, I guess, with everybody else. Uh, with Digital LA, I started that because I was doing digital marketing. I, I set it at a movie studio. I would see lots of startups pitch us on their cool apps that would help uh, get people to know more about a movie, um, do something like cool with your profile, uh, some sort of like cool like tool to like market in somehow. And so I was like, well, I'm seeing all these like cool startups in the area, um, but no one's really talking to each other that much, um, except maybe once or twice a year at a big conference um, that happens in town. So I was like, I wanted to create events that are every week all around startups, tech, and entertainment, uh, and then branching out into other areas too. So we started with mixers, and the, 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 I had like five people at my first mixer in Santa Monica, and then like very similar to what other people said, everyone had a great time, you should do this next month. Next month, 50 people showed up, uh, did another one the next month over in Santa Monica. Thanks for your first, uh, you came to that along with Efren back in the day with Tech Zulu. Uh, we had 150 people show up at that one, and people were like, this is great. I'm meeting new people. And so that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to do digital A, you know, full on. So did that every, every month. And then by the end of the first year, we had a couple thousand people on the newsletter and social media and then the Facebook group. And uh, since then, we've just been doing like hundreds of events around all these different topics. So um, also, since I'm a marketer, I actually want to ask questions of you guys before I finish the next two of the, of the, the four C's to keep you in suspense. Uh, the question is, uh, who here... Is uh, has been in LA for uh, in the past three years. We moved here in the past three years. All right, welcome new people. You guys have come to events. Definitely follow IRLA and 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 dot LA for the news. IRLA for the events. Uh, oh, Cherry has spoken at several of my events before. Good to see you, Cherry. Uh, cool. Who here has been in LA more than five years? All right. Cool. Welcome everybody. Uh, well, good to see you again. And uh, who here uh, is just here for the week, Tech Week, checking out all the cool stuff? All right, cool. Everyone meet the new folks there. Cool. <laughs> Who here is a startup founder or doing something in the startup space? All right, mostly everybody. Cool. Who here is a VC? All right, cool. Couple. They never raise their hands if they are, so find them if they are. Uh, all right, cool. And who here uh, is on the, um, on the developer side, developer, product dev? All right, couple. Who is on PR and marketing? All right, some folks there. All right. Who here is on the legal side? Couple more forex. Okay, got it. All right. I was like, just like, who's in the uh, who's in the audience? Myself. So, all right. So, that. so uh, that's number. So number two is uh, be consistent. Have your regular events. Uh, number three is uh, I would say is connect. When you have an event, actually connect with people. Sometimes people just have an event 
it's just the speaking and then people kind of like go because they're in a hurry. They have to get to work if it's a morning event or they have to get home if it's an evening event. Uh, but make sure you have a space to actually connect. For every digital LA event, we actually have about half an hour or an hour of networking before. Then we have the panel time or the actual content to actually talk about the cool stuff that everyone's working on and sharing. And then at the end, we have additional networking time too. So the actual content time is as much as the networking time. And sometimes the networking time is longer because people want to stay and hang out. So make sure that people connect. And that as a lot of, as Esprit does all the time at her events and people do at their events too, like make sure people actually connect. If you see someone hanging out by themselves, uh, like I saw some people over there just kind of getting coffee by themselves. They didn't seem to know anyone. I just run up and talk to them and then introduce them to other people. You mentioned that you do that at your events too. Uh, a lot of times the organizer is kind of like, the matchmaker in a way where you're like, oh, you're a VC, talk to the startup. You're looking for a developer, talk to this, talk to these developers. You're looking for a marketer, PR person. Oh, there's one right over there, over at the coffee. Go talk to them. So uh, it's a lot of there's like just like matchmaking physically at the event as it's happening, uh, which is fun. In fact, what I did just now with this raising hand, hopefully if you all were paying attention, you could like basically figure out who to network with or talk to, depending on what you're interested in as well. The fourth thing after consistency, uh, creativity. Uh, and connection uh, is community. Just be a, a part of the community. I'll add another one for fifth one, bonus points. Uh, collaboration. Definitely collaborate with other people. This event itself is a collaboration with all these connectors here. Uh, collaborate with other people and invite the speakers who you don't always have to come and then let their community know. Uh, collaborate with venues, collaborate with speakers, uh, collaborate with, with friends, collaborate with people you don't know and go into communities you don't know so that more people can know about you. Uh, rock it and they'll come back. So, yeah, so the question is, after an event, how do you connect with the community? And, uh, and it's not just about events, but how do you actually create and cultivate a community through, through doing the events, but actually beyond just doing events, right? Cool. All right, so great question. We do that in a couple of ways. Uh, after an event, I basically write an article and post it on our, our site and post it on our Instagram, social media, and LinkedIn, summarizing the key things that people said. This creates a record of basically that of all the, everything that happened. And if people missed it, they can see what happened, maybe get a little FOMO to come to the next one. They can also uh, write down their, their, their comments and comment on the, on the social media as well. So after the event, promote it on the social media. The post-marketing from the event is almost as important as the pre-marketing to get people there. Uh, so people can see that it happened. Uh, they can see their friends. For the very first digital LA events, the entire first year, before I even did panels, because people told me to do panels, I only did mixers. And in the mixers, I posted them on social media, tagged people, people tagged their friends. Other people said, oh, hey, what's this like digital LA thing? And they saw that other friends were there. They saw it looked like fun at pool parties at the Roosevelt or beach parties, et cetera. So, uh, so more people came to that. So, uh, so create the, uh, the post marketing for the event and then, and then uh, create a record through just like documenting the event so that people can see what happened. This will also help as you reach out to future uh, people who could come. It also helps out to reach out to sponsors because they can see this track record that you've done things over time and they can see what's happened at all the events. So, uh, and then also follow up with people you meet at the event. A lot of times people go to an event, they get like five or 10 business cards or they trade a bunch of LinkedIn's, but they forget to actually follow up. Between, after this event today, you all probably have two or three you know, LinkedIn connections, business cards. Maybe you have, after this week, you have like two or 300 <laughs> from all the events. And they pop on their seats and they can swap contact oh, that's right. information. Swap, yeah. All right, so after you swap popple or business cards or emails or whatever, 
your form of connection. Instagram is used a lot. A lot of people have used LinkedIn over the past week because I think of a lot of people from San Francisco and New York who tend to move use LinkedIn. In LA, we tend to use Instagram, I think, uh, as well as as well as LinkedIn too, and and, and Papa, which is a local company. But after the, all these events, like it's cool you met them, but you have to actually turn these meetings into. Uh, connections, work relationships, and or friendships, depending on where things go. In LA, a lot of people who have, are friends with someone, uh, the, 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 there's a very much of a blur between your friendship circle and your tech event professional circle. Uh, this is, I think, a little bit different from New York. You can tell me if it's true, where uh, New York tends to be more work-focused, but then I have my friends' friends. In LA, there's a much, I think it comes from the entertainment industry, there's a bunch of a blur between that and the people that you've like hung out with at a tech event till like two in the morning or whatever at some cool venue, you'll get in touch with them and then hang out with them afterwards. So, uh, so whether it's for a professional or just friendship because you just moved here, uh, purposes, like follow up with all these connections or else they're just like, you know, things in your inbox on email or Instagram or LinkedIn, or whatever, follow up. Now you have, you probably have a lot. So be selective on either who you thought was an interesting person, potential interesting client, potential interesting hire, uh, and be selective, but definitely do follow up. I recommend either through an email or a one-on-one coffee because we're doing those now, uh, or a brunch or just saying, I'll see you at the next networking event. Awesome. Thank you for the question, Christina. Thank you to all of our speakers. We're going to just share where to connect with them. And the last concept I'll leave you with is remember to just always make people feel welcome and that we all just want to be seen. You heard me say hi to Edwin. Edwin runs a community I'm a part of. He always makes me feel welcome in my personal life, makes me feel like I'm not alone. And I think all of us just want to feel connection and to feel seen. Edwin, hi. Um, and so thank you for all of our speakers here, like making sure that everyone is seen. Kevin, how can people connect with you? Uh, Kevin Winston is at Kevin Winston on Twitter, Instagram, everything. And Digital A is at Digital A on Instagram and Twitter and at digitala.net. Zanetta? TEDx South Central everywhere. Zanetta J. Smith on LinkedIn. Rob? I am Rob Ryan as we already said, across all the platforms. And then our podcast is Mentors Today, one word. And also, in case anybody has questions for Esprit about how she does this magic as well, like feel free to ask her some questions. Min, thank uh, you, Rob. I know, I agree, Rob. <laughs> uh, my, I'm Min's Mind everywhere, so M-I-N-H-S-M-I-N-D. Um, and then just Google IRLA. And uh, you'll find the newsletter. Awesome. Tyler? Cool. Dank underscore tweets on Twitter. And because we're in LA and do Instagram, Tyler Dank on Instagram. I'll pump those numbers. So, <laughs> awesome. Morgan? On Twitter at Morgan Barrett X. And don't follow me on Instagram. It's the. No. <laughs> Got it. Andy? Andy's all about Instagram. I just can't. Oh, yeah. Can you tell? Um, uh, AllianceSoCal.org is our website and if you are interested in the capital access program, it's called SoCal Venture Pipeline. And I'm old school. I'm on LinkedIn. So Andy Wilson Innovator is my LinkedIn handle. Awesome. Shannon? Yeah, I am not great at social media, um, so I don't even have a Twitter. Um, So follow me on LinkedIn, Shannon E. McCarty. That's M-C-C-A-R-T-Y. Shannon E. McCarty on LinkedIn. Cool. Andrea? It's uh, .la on all of our platforms, and then .la one on TikTok, and then if you want to email me to pitch anything, it's Andrea Moore at .la. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone. Keep enjoying the food, chat, mingle. Thank you to Bioscience LA, Jotform, Interlaced, 
Last day, LA Tech Week. We'll turn the music back on. The We Are LA Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. Music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The We Are LA Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes.